Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. My name is Allison Encero, Senior Editor of the American Journal of Managed Care. What aspects of healthcare and public health policy might change in the wake of COVID-19? 2020 is the 25th anniversary of the American Journal of Managed Care, and the October's edition of the journal features an interview with Dr. Kavita Patel, a non-resident fellow at the Brookings Institution and a primary care physician. Our interview, conducted in September, touches on a variety of topics, including the effect of a possible Biden administration on Medicaid work requirements, as well as the influence of Medicare Advantage and the impact on value. In this Managed Care Cast episode, you can hear a short excerpt of our discussion where she describes how conversations with patients have changed over two decades and how they have not, and the impact of telehealth on both patients and providers. When you reference yourself and your friends in healthcare, how have the conversations with your patients changed compared from, you know, any time period you want from when you started practicing medicine to even just the past couple of years to now? Are they, what are they worried about? What are they thinking about? Do they come to you with cost issues compared to when you started that sort of thing? Yeah. And it's funny because I've kind of done a full circle in my life. I started, um, my first clinic out of residency was in kind of a safety net setting, uh, people who were uninsured or underinsured. And then I spent years kind of going through I call more traditional primary care setting people, you know, with commercial insurance, Medicare, some Medicaid, but not as much and certainly not as many uninsured. Now I am primarily practicing and it's in a federally qualified health center in DC and Maryland. And most of the people I see 67, two thirds of them have no insurance. A third of them are Medicaid. So I'll tell you this. It's funny because back then, so here are the things that have not changed. If you are in a lower socioeconomic status, you are always cost sensitive, always. Like the patients 20 years ago that were in um, Los Angeles, California, in a federally qualified health center who were my patients, cost was everything. And, and I'm talking like $4 for ibuprofen. Like it was very common for me to get approached to see if I could get, you know, all federally qualified health centers use the 340B pricing program to get drugs. And, and this is where it works because they would ask me like, is this something that I can get, you know, through the clinic? And that is exactly the same now. I would say though, that what's changed, uh, especially, so put aside people of lower insurance access, lower socioeconomic status, lower health literacy too, put that aside. And I would say even my most, I'll call it high insured, wealthy, higher education kind of patients, they're becoming more aware of cost issues. They may be able to afford everything, even out of pocket, but they're asking upfront about costs more. And then the other conversation that's interesting to me is um, there's much more awareness, particularly with like procedures about the relationship between quality and volume. Hmm. So it's interesting to me when I have patients who would say, has that doctor done a lot of hip surgeries? And, and so you realize that what they're doing is they're connecting dots that, you know, volume actually matters in certain things. And I think that's interesting. And then, you know, the other, <laughs> I would say, you know, the internet era, um, the internet certainly existed when I started out in practice, but the ability to get information at your fingertips 
and kind of the frustrations that patients have with how clunky the healthcare system is, it's just much more dramatic. You know, I, it used to be like 10 years ago, my patients wouldn't mind being on hold for 20 minutes to kind of figure out how to schedule something. And today there's just very little tolerance for that. And that actually is across the board, no matter kind of how much, um, no matter, you know, that goes across race, ethnicity, gender, it kind of breaks all barriers. Everybody is, you know, squeezed for time. Time is the most precious commodity. Healthcare does a really crappy job of helping people make time efficient. Time lost in waiting rooms, time lost on phones. Honestly, time lost on fax machines. I can't believe I'm still literally in clinic the other day. Um, we heard that one of the local CVSs that we commonly use was not getting our was not getting our e-prescriptions as efficiently. So we now needed to switch to fax. And only in healthcare would someone say, the computer's not working. We need to go back to fax. <laughs> so, so I don't know. That's a long answer to your question, but I think it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting journey to kind of see how healthcare in some ways has changed dramatically. And in some ways there's, it's still the same. As a patient, I always have to make sure, and a caregiver for my dad, I always have to make sure I know uh, which free fax service I'm going to use that month to scan something, email it to the doctor. It's the same thing. Yeah. No, I mean, I just can't believe, you know, I, I joke we keep Xerox or whoever makes faxes in business because <laughs> nobody else uses a fax, you know, it's just, and it's just a, we're just the lowest kind of, you know, telehealth, by the way, has made things in some, you know, there's been a lot of improvements with telehealth, but I'm very skeptical about how long this, we already are seeing insurers tell us that, you know, well, we don't think that, you know, we need to return back to in-person visits because we think there's some, you know, unintentional abuse going on with telehealth visits. So it's interesting. From the patient side, especially for the population that you serve in the health centers, is there a downside to telehealth when you think about access and yeah. health literacy and that sort of thing? Yeah. You know, I, um, so we have had predominantly all our patients doing telephone, not video. And it's for the reasons I think you're referencing. Um, these are people who don't have high speed Wi-Fi at home. Most of the time they're taking the calls from someplace at work or someplace, you know, they've got, I have had the number of um, screaming children in the background I've had on my patients calls with me is like almost a hundred percent. So these are the moms, especially since I see a lot more women than men, these are the moms taking care of like lots of kids and managing jobs. So the good news is that telephone access for them to be able to do their care has actually helped us with compliance and adherence. I've been able to actually have follow-up visits where I would not have been able to because people couldn't get time off and waiting for half a day in our clinics, waiting rooms, you know, just, it was not feasible pre-COVID. So telephones made things a lot easier, but that will only last as long as we have this parity between phone and video and, you know, some in person. So once that shuts off after the public health emergency, we're going to return to business as usual. And, and even though we had so much success with telehealth, we're talking about that right now internally. We're like, even if they don't pay as much for it, we want to keep some like elements of telephone care. We do, but it's not clear how much. The, the trillion dollar question is what percentage of visits really should be kind of virtual? And nobody really knows the answer to that. To see and read all of our 25th anniversary interviews for 2020, 
visit ajmc.com anniversary. To get in touch with us, email info at ajmc.com or follow us on Twitter at ajmc underscore journal. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.